Bet Live. On Today FM. to do this thing. Hope your day is going awesome. Welcome to the show. We talk about three things. Commerce, community and culture. Nice little intersection there because those are the things that I love. Those are the things that I'm into and those are the things that I care about and choose to allocate my time to. So we're going to banter over a bunch of other stuff and uh, with an overarching goal of something that I've, you know, tried to do from my side around, you know, try to take on this little tall poppy syndrome and it's a simple little thing which I live by and I don't know if I made it up but I definitely say it to myself all the time is New Zealand wins when New Zealanders win. And I like seeing Kiwis win. I like seeing my friends win. I like seeing others that I don't know win. I just like people winning. It feels great. Coming up on today's show, in just a moment, we're going to be talking to the chief executive of Johnson Corner, Adnan Belushi, on why the modern workplace needs a refresh to attract workers back into the office. Obviously coming through COVID and all the rest of it, we've had quite the... The, the seesaw coming back and forth, people in the office, out of it, hybrid, remote, you know, all that type of stuff. After one o'clock, I want to find out uh, how we calculate the value of our time and the worth of that time. Time is obviously the asset. You hear all the mil- billionaires and millionaires always talk about it. You can buy a Lamborghini, but you can't buy your time back. Well, we're going to be talking to Trina Pitham from Octopus Admin to talk about how much is your time actually worth. And this week for our Tall Poppy Profile, I'm joined by Wellington-based dental therapist Laura Nixon from the toothpaste company Solid. Well, this is going to be interesting. Uh, she thinks tablets and toothpaste in a jar will help to clean up dental space from sending unnecessary waste to the landfill. Very entrepreneurial, Aotearoa. I'm very happy with you all. You've done awesome. Uh, we've also got Tereo Time, Young Bucks, and a whole bunch more. And if you're listening now, the time now is 5 past 12. But at 1.30 today, we're going to be doing a one-minute pitch. What is a one-minute pitch? Oh, great question, mate. Well, I'll tell you what it is. At 1.30, you get to ring in, and for one minute, you get to pitch your product, your service, your business, or whatever you're into. You get to basically give free promo to your own company, to the entire nation that's all tuned in on the Rover app or or wherever they are all around Aotearoa. You can text me through on 3920 if you've got a question to ask. Um, And actually, the question for today is, what is the current best podcast you are listening to? What is the podcast right now? You know, you're going to walk to the gym, you know, doing, doing your shopping, going around, you know, just whatever it is that you do when you listen to your podcast, you're stuck in Auckland traffic because it's so amazingly well designed for the motorways um, for two and a half hours. Uh, what is the best podcast which you're listening to in 2020, 2022? Here we go. Uh, 3920 or the number to call is 0800 Today FM. So one minute pitch at 1.30. All right, team, let's get into the show. It is five minutes past 12. His goal, to destroy the tall poppy syndrome. His platform, Today FM. This is Rebette Live. Call 0800 Today FM. Let's kick the show off. All right. An office designer says the purpose of office space has changed as new ways of working mean half of the office configuration is now redundant for many businesses. Uh, If you're in the commercial real estate game, you would probably be very interested in that stack. Uh, Many people are now working from home, but it always doesn't mean the days of working in the office are over. So I've been very fortunate enough. Thanks to the great work of the team. It's AFM to be joined by the Chief Executive Officer of um, Johnson Corner, Adnan Belushi, joins me now. Kia ora, Adnan. How are you? I'm good, Robert. How are you? Good, mate. Now, am I saying your name right? Is it Adnan or Adnan? It's Adnan, yeah. Adnan, there you go. All right. My name's Robert, and people have called me all sorts of bad words, so it's good to, good to know I'm getting, <laughs> getting it right. Um, yeah, all right, good. so 
for a quick bit of context, you know, I've dabbled in a little bit of commercial real estate and if I heard that 50% of all my people who are leasing my property don't actually need it anymore, I would have alarm bells going off and I'm sure a few interesting conversations with the bank on how to get creative with space. So, rewinding this thing back out, what do you think needs to, I guess, change in order to, you know, create this modern office workspace and relevant to kind of, I guess, suitable for today's workers post-COVID and the rest of it? Like, give us the, give us the macro, then we'll get into the weeds. Yeah, I think the first thing I should mention is that it, you shouldn't panic. What I'm I'm saying is um, I'm not saying that people want less commercial real estate. What I'm saying is the way that they are designed now and the way they used to be used pre-COVID, they're not relevant anymore. So uh, how can we change them to create them in a way that people want to use them in this post-COVID world? So yeah, there's a lot of demand for commercial real estate, but it's about well, how do you how do you change them? In terms of the, I guess the big picture is we have been trying to figure out as companies how do we get people back into the office. We've tried uh, asserting old ways of working, mandates, getting people back in, that hasn't worked. So we've let the not return to the office take over. We've just said, okay, we're going to do nothing about it. But what we're seeing is top organizations are refreshing their culture, they're modernizing their real estate portfolio, they're getting rid of the space they don't need, they're adding new spaces, and they're adding new ways of experiencing the spaces. And that is driving a new sustainable return to the office, to utilizing our CBDs, our, our commercial real estate, at the same time also utilizing working from home as well. So that's, that's in, in a nutshell, is what we're seeing. And so how can companies and landlords and real estate get together and create these new solutions? What we feel, what we are seeing is the next three to five years, the next evolution is the great reconciliation. Essentially, there are gaps and differences in terms of what a company can offer in terms of flexibility and experience and what an employee expects. And so the job becomes how do we all collaborate in closing those gaps and creating a new way of working. That's essentially the the big picture. Okay, great recap. Where my brain instantly went to as soon as you're talking about that is this overarching kind of need for um, kind of creative solutions and creativity coming to the forefront with how to think of space differently. And I guess, would you say, Adnan, that we wouldn't have the, this was 100% brought on by the pandemic with, with everyone shifting out. Do you think we would have hit this this moment with more creative need for commercial space if it wasn't for COVID? Or do you think that's been literally the genesis that has shifted all of it? Or do you think there was a bit of a movement going there beforehand? Yeah, I think uh, what, we, what we're hearing from the conversations I'm having with people in the, in, in the industry, that working from home as a global experiment happening at the same time was a catalyst and pandemic was the activator for it. But our projections were showcasing that by 2030, this would happen anyway, through progression, through through improvement, through, through change. So yeah, um, I think it's not so much the, the lockdown, but the, the cause effect of that was the experiment that everybody had, that they could work from home, uh, they could be productive, not for all, all the roles, uh, but most of them, they could be productive, they, they could perform, um, they could live differently, and so that was a big driver. And one of the big things we also have to acknowledge is that 
the way we live has shifted. So mm. if you want to create experiences uh, in the workplace, the future of workplace must align with the future of living. So that's really important to kind of uh, align. Got yeah. So uh, let's talk about employees for a second. Obviously, the employers in the space, they the majority of them are kind of won it back here in the States, um, uh, based out of San Francisco and Silicon Valley, is there's been yeah. certain businesses would have really put the hammer down and said, hey, you need to come back to the office or you will not have a job. And then these other places who are kind of using remote work as a, I guess, an asset when it comes to talent and acquisition to bring in the right people into the business saying, hey, you can work for anywhere as long as you get the job done. It's all G, you do you. In terms of the, the market in Aotearoa, what do you feel the tone of the employees are at, at, right now in August 22? Are they, are, are they wanting to go back to the office? Are they wanting hybrid? Like where's the, from an employee's perspective, what's the vibe? I think the first thing that's very important is we, we try and not focus on one-size-fits-all solution. Uh, I think, you know, you look at companies like Tesla, they are a very manufacturing company, so they're quite strict on it has to be in person. If you look at companies like Airbnb, uh, they're, you know, they're, they're designed from, you know, they provide a service that's about moving around and being remote and being autonomous. So it fits their culture to provide that hybrid uh, autonomy as a, as a policy. Um, so the point I'm making is that even in Aotearoa, you're going to find different companies in different industries will have different um, uh, styles and ways of working work for them. So you're gonna mm. you see a lot of nuances and, and, and differences. You know, in New Zealand is a is an example that uh, that I'm really enjoying watching. They're rebuilding back at refreshed culture. They are you know moving out of the CBD office and rebuilding something exciting near the airport. So so there are a lot of companies doing different things, and and you will find different models work for different businesses within different industries mm. but in new zealand yeah. yeah i think one of the things that i have seen you know i was in the states in may and and you know having similar conversations i think uh, new zealand has always been progressive with uh, high performance with well-being at the core of it we've mm. always had flexibility compared to what you see a lot of companies that have had in in, in the states so i think in in new zealand um that's always been progressing. Now the big challenge is, well, how do we plug the two together? How do we refresh the work environments? What models work for us? And how do we also continue the flexibility that people have always enjoyed? No, I totally get it. So, so from, a, um, I guess, an employ employer's perspective now, what are some of the things or ideas or concepts that you've seen that are working when it comes to, I guess, more creative ways to use uh, underutilized commercial space? Like what, what's the thing, like what are some of the things they, they're putting in? I'm guessing it's not just, you know, street fighter machines and, and table tennis. Like what, what are they doing? <laughs> yeah, that's such a path thing, isn't it? Uh, I think the big thing now that we're seeing and, and we're pushing for is um, experience. Um, mm. When you work from home, you have ultimate control over designing your day you you can personalize your journey for the day and so when people want to come to work they want to be able to personalize their journey for the day they want to be able to choose where exactly they want to travel where they want to work access to support how they organize their day um, and all that kind of stuff so um, some of the key trends are when the renewals are coming up people are getting rid of the vacant space spaces that they don't need they are then 
spending that money on procuring modern spaces on capital light investments like flex spaces where you don't have to spend a lot of capex and you can have a network of these around the country based on where your people want to work and you can get that data through various technology and, and surveys and polls that you can run. And once you have that network of new modern spaces created, then you invest some of the le- leftover budget on experiences. So you can mm. deploy experience managers in the workplace, you can do digital and digital content, you can do physical programs. So really uh, reshift business travel around excitement to come and be together with your people, not just traveling around for meetings and, and, you know, like how we used to in terms of business travels in the past. So those are the three main themes I'm seeing. That's re- and so how do you think this, you know, you're talking about, Adnan, this, this great reconciliation, which I kind of like that. You're saying is it three to five years and what other things do you think will be affected? Yeah, so it's really the reconciliation, to, to reiterate, is about, um, you know, addressing the gaps and differences. So one of the differences is, is workspace. You know, I don't, you know, people, employees might say, I don't want to travel for two hours to come to work. I want to work near home. Um, so in that sense, uh, from an employer perspective, you, you're going to have to decide uh, how do you cater for that? What is mm-hmm. the extent of flexibility you're going to provide? You, you can create, uh, you can procure spaces nearby where people are so they can access. So the space is one thing. And the second thing is the experience. The third thing is the culture. Uh, people want to be, be part of a refreshed culture. Um, that is aligned with, you know, what are the what what are the values we expect in the world, what we want to be doing for different generations and different talent pools. Um, yeah, so th- I think those are the, some of the key things that, that's going to be quite challenging for com- employers to work through in terms of the extent of uh, flexibility they can afford and the desirability they can afford to provide. And on the other end, employees expect, and, and if, if they're not going to get it, what are they going to do? They're going to switch their jobs. They're going to go to other uh, other companies and you know in New Zealand uh, talent is so scarce and there is there is you know there's still the immigration is not flowing through with the orange traffic light um, and you know fighting for talent uh, uh, retaining talent is, is, is really important so if flexibility is what the talent want then you know you have to invest in that the great part there is you've just highlighted the fact you know it is an employee's market they've got the talent They've they've got they've got more options and that's good. I really appreciate you joining the show, Adnan. Um, thanks for jumping in. I hope your Saturday goes awesome. Actually, I, I did a horrible job of that interview, Adnan. I didn't ask you how your Saturday's going. Where are you and what are you doing? So so Adnan, where are you and what it's are you doing? Really good. <laughs> I'm in Taranaki. I'm in Taranaki. Uh, it's it nice. is. Uh, we've just uh, we it's been raining the last few days and and it's 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 a lot of rain and um and but look i'm i'm enjoying the day it's saturday and just having a good time with the fano and the kids and and just yeah lovely to chat with you and thank you for having me on your show appreciate it man hey enjoy the rest of the weekend kick your feet up go enjoy the coffees and whatever is you getting into down in taranaki watch out my friend i'll talk to you soon my man bye-bye good vibes there we go always interesting seeing the dynamics in the commercial spaces shift after such a big thing like COVID. i like what you know Adnan was talking about with in new zealand sort of having this big rebuild back refreshed culture and all these different organizations one of the biggest things which anyone would have happily understand is that through COVID, great leaders and horrendously bad leaders really got exposed they, there was full transparency and communications and how they kept 
you know, culture alive in teams. And so coming out of it, people maybe have a higher bar with what they expect out of their organisation, especially now if there's hybrid models, you know. If you love working at home, you know, and you can have the option to get paid the same and be three days in the office and two days at home, spend a bit more time with the whānau, of course you're going to do it. And I, I actually, I almost in a weird way thinking about, the, obviously there's a talent shortage with the visas, but because there is such a talent shortage that, that way, business owners feel... It seems like anyway that they're starting to shift more of the rules of how this new normal is going to be with more of the what the employee wants in the middle of it to make sure that they're happy, which is kind of cool because it's going to be really hard to try and ring that back. All right, coming after the break, we're going to be catching up with this week's Young Buck. What is Young Buck? You'll find out after the break. And don't forget at one thirty we have the one-minute pitch. You can ring through, pitch your business to the world for absolutely free. Time now is 19 minutes past 12. Rebet Live. Live from Silicon Valley. The hub of the tech universe. With tips on unleashing your entrepreneurial potential. On Today FM. Rebet Live, episode 323. Welcome back. Live from San Francisco. You can find your local frequency at todayfm.co.nz or you can take us with you on the go. Everyone's got your cell phone or the smartphones. Uh, download the free Rover app and you can get in the mix there. Uh, text text through today the question of the day, what is the best podcast you're listening to right now? Text me through on 3920. All right, time now for Young Bucks. What is Young Buck? Oh, well, it's a young future weapon that's about to do damage in the Aotearoa business scene. And right now we get to... Speak to our young book for the segment, and we're speaking with Ella Parker and Thomas Futrell from Kitty Kitty High School in far, far north. Let's go. And they run a business called Sale Inc. Kia ora, Ella and Tom. How are you? Kia ora. Hi. We're good. All right. Mean, so you, how, how's up? Far, obviously, you're in the far north. How's the weekend going up there? I mean, it's been pretty rainy, to be honest. Um, definitely haven't been out on the water this weekend. It's just been bucketing down, but hoping to get back into it next weekend for sure. There you go. All right. So your company is called Sail Inc. So I'm guessing if you're already talking about the water, we get into it. So what is Sail Inc. and how did this this come about? You're at you're at a high school and you're starting a business to do with sailing, but tell tell me more. Where did this come from and what's going on? So Thomas and I are both very passionate sailors, and we both compete together in our own sailing yachts. And they always tell you when you're starting a business to do something that you're passionate about. And so it was a pretty obvious choice for us to do something with sailing. And then we really noticed that down at our local yacht club, there weren't many teenagers learning how to sail and they weren't starting off. So we wanted to make a business which would teach them how to sail and run sessions just for teenagers so that they could learn in a space that they felt really comfortable in. Yeah. How good's that? All right, so Tom, so you had the idea, you thought about it, and then how'd you go from idea to execution? What's the, how's the journey to date been so far with, I guess, starting your, starting your first business and, and get into the mix, Tom? Yeah, right. So um, we started at school in uh, March or February, uh, where we come up with our idea and then execute it from there. So it started as an idea and then we did like a validation. So we put, a, we put it out to a few family friends and stuff to see what they would think of it. So we took a group of um, students sailing one afternoon and they all were very positive and gave us good feedback. So it kind of started off from there more... Um, on point um then cool. we just started doing weekend courses and stuff yeah nice man so how do you how do you make money what's the model so um we hire all our equipment from the local yacht club because obviously it's quite expensive for us to have bought all ourselves so we hire it from them 
And then we are also the coaches of the session, so we pay ourselves a wage. And the people who register on the session, they pay um, the session fees for the sessions that they come to. And, yeah, that just goes towards paying us and the inputs that go into running the session, like the hireage of the chase boats, sailing boats, and the facilities that we use. Good on you. Okay, so that, that the reason why I asked, I'm thinking, okay, you're a Kitty High School in the far north and you, you've got a sailing business which is doing this. Boats aren't cheap and I'm trying to figure out how they got the boat. So what type of conversation went down? We're like, hey, do you mind if we just, you know, st- how was the negotiation? What did you learn about negotiation when it came to, to trying to literally, you know, rent out other people's stuff and then start the business on top of it, Tom? Right, so um, the Yacht Club obviously has, a, you know, always wanting income, especially this time of year because there's not much sailing going on during the winter, like learning to sail. Most of their stuff's during the summer, so that's kind of fills in the gap for them. Obviously, we can't run the same time they're running because they're using their own equipment and we kind of get second priority. Um, so we hire all their gear, and they're very happy for us to hire their gear from them because we kind of said once the students can sail, then we'll kind of hand them on to the yacht club. Yep, so that's... they're very happy to have that extra students coming through. Very cool. You know, one of the things that you could do is, you know, look at the, the, the demographics of participation, even something like golf, and they're saying that, you know, you need a b- bunch more young people to come into it. So obviously when you come there and you've got the opportunity to basically help educate a whole bunch of these, you know, small dinghies with these, these teenagers there at high school or whatever it is, you're basically building them a pipeline for the future. So they, they should be more than stoked. And especially now after you've been on national yeah. radio, you should be going back there to, to renegotiate this thing say hey team hey we're, we're, bring, we're bringing some noise down okay so maybe um finish with a little bit of this so to talk me through what happens now for the future ella like what does this look like how do you expand and where do you see the future is this thing going well firstly we want to just run as many more sessions as we can and get as many teenagers as we can out in the water but secondly we want to make sailing a way more accessible sport because it is expensive to get into for some people and so we want to be able to help everyone get into it, no matter how much their family earns or where they come from. So we're looking to get sponsorship from local businesses and fundraise so that we can get teenagers that might not usually have been able to afford to come sailing out on the water with us and coming to sessions. So that's where we're sort of headed next for the last half of this year. That's super cool. I've got a... um I'll get uh, your email off, uh, I'll get Cam, the weapon executive producer, to uh, get your email and I'll introduce you to a friend of mine. His name is Bruce Pilbrow. He is the CEO of Spirit of Adventure and I'm sure he'd be have a, maybe be open for a chat to maybe give you, you guys a little bit of advice around how to do it better. If people are listening right now and they want to come and support you or check it out or if they're heading up north, uh, where can they go to, what can they do? Play, this, is where, this is where you get a free plug in there, Tom. All right, get in there, go for it. Where can they go to, what can they do? Uh, so we're on Instagram and um, Facebook. Uh, it's just SailWinkNZ is our Instagram and Facebook. Or you can email us at SailWinkNZ at gmail.com. Um, we've got an upcoming session on the 27th, 28th of August, sorry, um, and another one following in September at the moment. At the moment, if you do, email us. Um, we put any, we've got like a draw going, so we're going to, if it, someone emails us interested in a session, we're going to get one lucky person to get a free one. There you go. Uh, one of the other things, you should go to godaddy.com and check out if you can buy saleinc.com or .co.nz, then you won't say the Gmail thing, and then you put that on your business card, you go flex it at school like you're a boss. All right, I anyway, appreciate your time yeah, jumping on, Ella and Tom. Well done. Smash it away, and uh, good luck for the future. Cool. Thank you, Heath. Thank you very much.
All right, how cool is that? Young bucks starting businesses, basically somehow navigating their way to to let the yacht club take all their, <laughs> all their assets, and I guarantee they probably don't have insurance on it. So sick. But in their defense, they are building a future pipeline of future yachties, and especially with the rich heritage in Aotearoa when it comes to sailing yachting, they should be all over it. Uh, massive props to them. Always cool hearing young people starting businesses, and best of luck to them in the future. Super, super cool. Don't forget, team, coming up at 1.30, we'll have the one-minute pitch. You can ring through. First person to ring at 1.30, you get to jump on air, and you get one minute, 60 seconds, to be able to pitch you, your business, your product, your service, all of the rest of the world. Giddy up, let's go. All right, time now is 29 minutes past 12. Live from San Francisco. And streaming now on Facebook Live. It's Rebet Live with how to turn your passion into profit. On Today FM. Rock and roll, 28 minutes to one. We just roll straight banger instrumentals on Rebet Live. That's how we do. I can't rap, I can't sing, but man, I'll play instrumental on my own show. I'll tell you that much. Episode 323, giddy up and go. Uh... You tuned into Rebet Live. Uh, you can call through on 0800 Today FM or text me with uh, best podcast you're listening to right now. Best podcast you listen to. And one of the ones come through, The Real Pod by the spinoff. There you go, Duncan and the boys there, The Real Pod. Such a, all right, it's time for business in a minute. What is business in a minute? Let me tell you how to get your business better in one single minute. Not many people that have moving into this digital age really leverage digital social tools when it comes to your CRM your customer relationship management tools. Most of them have spreadsheets or books or whatever. If you are currently using a pen and paper to be tracking anything that's happening like that with your business when it comes to tracking your customers, team, stop it. There's so many almost free resources right now. I'm going to give you three for today to go check out. This is not sponsored. This is just literally just some that you can go check out. Uh, Airtable.com, Zoho. Dot com Z O H O or little Salesforce. There's plenty out there, but what you'll what you'll realise is they've now got beautiful apps, and you know 97% of New Zealand small businesses are small businesses with staff under 20, which means that usually the owner is an operator, they're involved in the business, he or she's getting in, in the mix, trying to figure out everything that's bubbling away, and then you'll be able to update things on the go and quick. Now, so many times there's many analog processes which are in place which don't so simple tip for today Airtable Zoho Salesforce have a quick look if you don't have a CRM for your small business right now definitely go have a look and that's how to get more out of your business give you more time and make your business a little bit better time now is 26 minutes to 1 Bet Live on Today FM Giddy up and go Time for my three cents. Usually people have two cents about things, but I've got three. Today I wanted to want to talk about is a little mini story that happened today. It happened today and it's on top of mind. And it's about accountability. It's about true accountability. Let me tell you a story. Well, this morning, because I don't have if you if you don't know me, I'm basically like an overweight six foot three bald moldy dude with glasses and a hat. But I always just shave my head. Right, and so I was out the front of the back of the house, shaving my head, and we've got these two little kittens, right? These two cats, two cats come outside. They're, they're how, they, was, they got sold to me that they were outdoor cats and would never be in the house, but pff, weirdly enough, they just don't leave the house. So we we're trying to like get them into the real world. Anyway, I'm in charge. The cats are outside with me. They're charging around. They're starting to. They get. They're just starting to explore the backyard and they're starting to get towards the backs. And anyway, they've been out there for a while. I was like, you know what, stuff it. I'll just jump and try for a quick shower, boost back up. Went, went in for a quick shower, go to come back out, wifey gets home, can't find the cats. Oh, jeez. 
The day's about to, the date's about to start, and then long story short, we can't find the cats. So the cats have gone MIA. So now I'm feeling like an arsehole. And because I was in charge of the cats, I went inside for a shower, didn't bring the cats back in with me, and here I am. So then I go on search mode. I'm jumping over the fences, I'm looking around, and can't find the cats for, you know, quite a while of time. Then the neighbours have a dog. The neighbours have a dog. And then the dog, all of a sudden, hear a big scuffle. I hear a, a big scream and a scratch and a, and a bark. And the next-door neighbour's dog had uh, basically gone one-on-one, one-outs with, with the kitty cat. And I was like, oh, no, okay, this is not ideal. These are little, little kids we're talking about. So bring the kids back inside. Now the kid is inside. And we find the other one, and that was all scared and traumatic inside. And then uh, Cupcake... Is his name Cupcake? Is his, is his name? And uh, he's a dude, but my daughter's son called him Cupcake because he just does his thing. Uh, his back legs don't move. His literally back legs aren't moving, and he just looks like he's flipping paralyzed. I'm like, oh shit! I've really, really stuffed this up because now we got two cats, and I've got two daughters. One daughter has each one of the cats, and all of a sudden it starts creeping up on me. I may have just stuffed up and flipping killed my daughter's cat by not being a responsible parent. And so for the last six hours before the show started, I've been at the vet. <laughs> and I've been at the vet thinking about how stuffed up I did. And I'm just, and my daughter's at, 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 um, at school and I'm literally going, man, this is all my fault. This is 100% my fault. I have to go and pick up my, my daughter from, from kindergarten and say, hey, uh, we had to put your cupcake down because daddy sucks at life. And then I realized that she's four and a cat could live until she literally leaves high school and college. So until she's like 20 or whatever. And I had this moment going, okay, I literally now, maybe for the next 15 years of my life, have to feel this guilt for being a dick for like two minutes, or it wasn't two minutes, I had a quick shower, for leaving my cat and then feeling like an asshole. So, but I was sitting there and I just put this thing around, around saying, true accountability of going, okay, this is 150% my fault. Regardless of the outcome here, I have to take full responsibility and accountability for this. This is 100% on me, and I have to be willing to live with the guilt of potentially my daughter hating me forever for, kill, for, for potentially <laughs> damaging your first case. The good news is, after six hours, I'm not going to tell you how, how much dollars were dropped on this little little beast. Uh, cupcake is fine. Cupcake, or well, I wouldn't say fine. He's got a puncture mart and it's all sorted, but there's no, there's no paralysis, anything. And I get her home, I have to reset it. I pick up my daughter from school, bring her home, and I have to say, and it just brought me down the simple point of I digress in the story. In the story being, there's many times in your life where you, you can slack for a little split second and you know you're kind of slack and you're like, ah, stuff, it'll be sweet, don't worry about it. She'll be right, mate. She'll be right. Well, I'm telling you right now, the, the future guilt for the next 14 years of potentially having to, to my, having to look my beautiful daughter in the eye and tell her that dad's an arsehole for killing her cat, I couldn't do it. So true accountability, and, but there becomes this moment where you can be guilty by it or, or literally live with the, the consequence of the truth for it. So I had a big bullet, Dodge Say team. I've, I've learned more about accountability. I've potentially learned more about that. And, you know, there's always a business lesson in it somewhere. So the lesson for me was, you know, when you say you're going to do something, you actually do it, but don't just think she'll be sweet. Sometimes she ain't sweet. When it comes to business, there's certain things, oh, she'll be right, man. That's why things like Osh and health and safety and all these things happen because people are dumb like me and do dumb things like me and then you potentially stuff it up. So my three cents for the day was accountability and fully own it regardless of the outcome and they're having to live with those things. And just next time something pops up and you think she'll be right, you know, maybe she won't. Maybe she won't be right. And most often they're not. 
especially if you're like me. So, you know, sometimes you get lucky, sometimes you don't. Felt like an asshole. So my three cents for today was about accountability. So Cupcake is happy. My daughter is, is happy. Wife is definitely uh, not happy uh, because that was my fault. And I'm sure after the show I'll be dealing with it when I get back home. Uh, and fair enough. I don't know if I'll be on the couch, but definitely I might have some solo time. I might have to just go sit in the corner for a little bit. That's my three cents. All right. I felt, I felt good to go off my chest. Sorry, team. I let everyone down today. All right. The time now is 20 minutes to 1. 1.30. First person to ring up, you're going to be able to have a one-minute pitch for you, your product, your service, or your business to the nation on the show with me. So if you're a graphic design company, you sell concrete, you do some stuff. Last week's one was great. We had a few people jump in the mix. So 1.30. First person to ring through is going to get on the air to give a free shout-out to their business, product, server, whatever you're after. Up next is going to be learn, share, repeat. And that's where we find about some, you know, business leaders or whatever in New Zealand. What are they listening to? What are they reading? Where are they learning all the good stuff? And today we're very stoked to have the CEO of Advisory Works joining me, which is one of the biggest strategic advisory firms, but also some really, really smart humans indeed. So that's coming up right after the break. See you in a sec, team. The time now is 20 minutes to one. His goal, to destroy the tall poppy syndrome. His platform, Today FM. This is Rebette Live. Call 0800 Today FM. Back into it. 16 minutes to one. Welcome to Rebet Live. Welcome back to Rebet Live, episode 323. On Today FM, you can find out more about us on todayfm.co.nz. Follow us on the social channels, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and the TikToks. The TikToks for the young bucks. Aging up quite quickly if you actually think about it, though. And you can just search for Today FM New Zealand. And if you want to get in touch with me this afternoon, uh, feel free to text through 3920. The question of the day is... What is the best podcast you're listening to so far? So far, The Real Pod has come through a couple of times from the spin-off, so big ups to Duncan and the boys for that. It's time now for Learn, Share, Repeat. What is Learn, Share, Repeat? Well, a big kind of, I don't know if it's a mantra, I don't know what it is. It's something that I believe firmly in of this idea of, you know, when you get access to great, smart people, what do they know? And then how can you share that with other people? So then you learn, they learn. It's like, you know, Murray Tom was talking about interested people are interesting people. And I like to be very interested in lots of different things. So for today's Learn Share Repeat, we're very lucky to be joined by a very smart man indeed and a good friend. He is the CEO of Advisory Works and his name is Logan Wedgwood. And they are more than strategic advisors, they're alchemists. They combine their thinking, chemistry and experience to drive the unrivaled performance and focused execution that brings extraordinary outcomes for better business and a better Aotearoa New Zealand. So, without further ado, welcome to the show, Logan Wedgwood. Hey, buddy. How are you? Not too bad, mate. Now, you had a birthday party and you've just jumped out. What are you doing? How's your Saturday bubbling away? What's up? My little boy is in the in the back seat right now, and we are 15 minutes away from a 1 p.m. go time for a kid's birthday party. And as you know, they're, they're very important. <laughs> oh, mate, let's so get into it. Now. That's awesome. That's awesome. I love it. Spend time with the fun and appreciate you jumping this in. So... You get to spend a lot of your time talking with a whole bunch of different businesses and you're, you know, getting involved and in seeing all these different worlds. At the moment in 2022, yeah. what are you, are you more of a, a podcast guy with audio? Are you more into books? Like where do you sort of sit, swing on that sort of scale to start with? Um, so traditionally I've been more of a book guy. With the podcasts, I find my brain kind of drifts off and I, and I don't take it in the same. So I am a reader. Um, with the, I do check out the odd podcast here and there if someone recommends it. And then I also kind of um, get lost in YouTube, if you know what I mean. Like I'll find a subject matter and then I'll just 
rabbit hole down YouTube and I'll spend a couple of hours absorbing content that way. Um, that's probably my, my more modern primary method, I'd say. There you go. All right. Now, so at the moment, what are you currently uh, listening to or learning from the most? Where are you currently spending your time and what little rabbit holes have been going down? At the moment, I've, I've actually just had my interest re-peaked into psychology. And in the past, I've been quite into philosophy and, and things just from a curiosity standpoint, less so about business. But more recently, I've just been scratching the surface of psychology again because I'm interested in the way that our kind of brains have been impacted more recently over the last couple of years. Business has been hard for most, and, and I think at the moment trying to figure out um, how you can, you know, rediscover that energy and um, reshape a better, a better future. I, I think there's a lot of um, tools in psychology that can help with that from a business perspective. And are you, are you doing podcasts or book? Are, are you going? Is it more? Are you, is that YouTube stuff? You going long form, short form? Like what? What, what type of stuff are you really digging into specifically? YouTube, YouTube, and books. So I've just found some old um, Edward de Bono books in the secondhand bookstore. So I've grabbed a couple of those that I'm about to dive back into and then with YouTube I'll just um, find different frameworks and kind of try and follow the pathway. Also a good way to do that is with um, a little trick that I have is with Google. Um, I'll Google uh, a business subject matter and then actually click on images and what you'll find is mm. like templates and things that people have on their websites and then I'll find those templates and then I'll try and figure out what the framework is behind the template and that's a cool way to to uncover different ways of thinking. Dude, okay, let's just die there for a second. Wait, so, <laughs> so you go down a rabbit hole, you do, Google, you do Google images, and because the images are hyperlinked back into the various, you know, parts of wherever they came from, you then open up a bunch of tabs yeah. and then figure out the framework and reverse engineer the framework all kind of in one sitting in a bit of a batch load data dump. Yep, that's how I do it. I try to reverse engineer the thinking <laughs> or think how do you get from like, where you are to where to where that is, and um, and then I'll go wider than that and go, okay, well if that's the kind of pathway there, how do I find other stuff? Um, and yeah, I just find that quite a because um, I just curiosity is probably my one of my natural you know defaults. You're quite similar, you know, like you ask questions and and then you just kind of curious with curiosity follow a path and see what you can find. Yeah, well, I think you ask because curious. I ask because I'm not that smart. You see, I just keep asking. Um, but I'm actually, I got to give you props on that, dude. That is such a really interesting way to learn is to to use technology because I'm imagining what happens too is the algorithms that are running in the background, which is overlaying all the different framework bases, will be finding as many different similar type things in as many places. So you almost get a quick kind of macro scan over the thing in the in a global perspective and like literally three seconds that, that's, that's really smart that's exactly it that's exactly it like if you if you go you take a simple subject like strategy um and you go okay there, there's every strategy consulting firm out there has a template us included right and you go okay strategy template and you google that and then you click on google images and then what you find is a bunch of different templates that different people use. Yeah. And then I'll go, okay, so why have they chosen this element and why have they chosen this element or why have they, you know, left out this one that I think is important and try to figure out the way that they think about it and then compare that to 
say, um, you know, the process that I'm building for a, a client or whatever, and, and then how I apply that to the client's business depending on what industry they're in. Okay, so when you're talking about you know, helping these businesses, let's jump back into there for a second. So, you know, you were talking about, um, Logan, you know, the brain's been impacted from COVID, uh, from COVID and sort of the psychology and sort of, I guess, you know, rediscovering your energy or whatever it may be. What is the biggest headspace shift that you've seen in Kiwi business owners in the last three years since since COVID? What's, what's been the one kind of thing that's popped up and you're going, huh, this is the thing or a thing? You, it's funny you ask that because it's literally just out of my head this second because I suspected you'd ask something like that. And initially, <laughs> I was going to say that it's fatigue. Initially, I was just going to say everyone's just kind of dragging their feet and hanging out for a holiday again, you know. But just on that, I was actually going, you know what? It's actually decision-making fatigue. That's what I think it is because huh. the, the, there's, there's just such a large amount of decisions that are small that are being driven by you know macroeconomic conditions um that you we're kind of just overloaded with information and things that we're thinking about and trying to decide between and that's carrying over post all the decisions we all had to make through COVID and stuff and um i just think you just you're just sick of decisions like even i get home and even something like what you know what to eat <laughs> i just i can't be bothered so it's toast you know <laughs> yeah that kind of thing, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's going that one level deeper. I mean, there's been plenty of studies and oh, studies and stuff. You know, they're talking about uh, you know certain people wear the same thing every day, and you know, like Mark is like with the hoodie or whatever. And it was just like you know, if I just do the same thing, I need to to think less. You know, I just wear the same thing as well. And I, I mean, I don't do it because I have a big brain. I want to spend my time. I'm just like I just like a simple format and I do my thing. But I do see what you mean. Or in there's a million different things. You got this, this, this the whole time, and it's almost this. Uh, the, that draining fatigue of you're, you're always having to be on for something, for something, for something. You're just trying to find the new way through it. So how do you think, so fatigue is one of them. And another one we sort of talked about as well as, or the one that, you know, I've been this idea of energy alienation. And I don't know. So I've been thinking about, you know, um, we'd put out, uh, for those that aren't aware, me and uh, Logan are partnering up for a Power Move Summit for 100 epic Kiwi entrepreneurs to get into the same room uh, in the start of October. And one of the questions we ask here is, what do you want to get the most out of it? And so much of this 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 overarching element, I even did this little uh, cloud word sort of map thing on it, was around connection and people and whatever. And then I was thinking, why is that? Why are all these individuals feeling, you know, almost lonely for it? And then I was wondering about this, this wording of energy alienation going, you know, when they're so positive but they're surrounded by so much negativity and toxicity, it feels like they're just constantly fighting and they almost want to stand next to someone who's on the same team as them that, that knows it and feels it and likes it. Do you think alongside the decision-making side, there's this, there's a bit of, I don't know if it's the right word, but loneliness in some ways? Is, oh, is that... 100% there's loneliness and 100% there's um, the alienation is... is as a word because when you're the leader at the t at the very top of an organization there are decisions that rest with you that you don't really get to share widely you might not even share them with your partner at home or you might you know th there's not a lot of sounding boards available and so sometimes the weight of those decisions can can sit with you for quite some time and, and the thing about getting business owners together in the same room is they go ah oh, there are actually other people dealing with these things too and you and you feel less alone but then you also get to you know sort of uh, discuss different tactics or strategies that others employ 
to tackle those challenges and so you get that that shared learning and then even seeing somebody else kind of grit their teeth and deal with it or or even tackle something with a lot of optimism can sometimes give you the the little nudge that you need to um to do the same thing you know maybe at a time when you were thinking you'd had enough of making decisions um seeing somebody else kind of rise to the challenge can inspire you to do the same um, so mm. I see quite a bit of that at the moment too. When you get people together, um, the quality of the conversations is really high, um, particularly higher up in business at the moment. Do, do you think, Logan, that, that those moments will get amplified better because they've physically and logistically been away from each other for so long through COVID that now they're actually thinking about that they're craving that human connection in person even more so? Do you think there's even more of a magnet around the amplification of people's connection and wanting to be human with each other? Yeah, I think everybody wants to be human with each other again. I think it's all just still a bit weird, and so people are kind of tentatively treating on how we get, you know, get back to normal human connection. I think it's just still a bit tentative at the moment. I think everybody wants it because making decisions in isolation, um, one, it's not a good way to make decisions, um, but, to, but two, like that's kind of been what we've been stuck with at times over the last couple of years. So being able to break out of that isolation and, and soundboard your ideas with other people I think is actually essential right now because mm. we've all got different experiences and perspectives of the way it's played out. And, and kind of how we want to apply that individually now, being able to soundboard with other people is essential, in my opinion. So I, I barely ever make decisions without at least talking to somebody else who I think might have an opinion that's different to mine. Yeah, no, no, to, to, totally agree, Russ. It's just surrounded by a bunch of yes men and yes women and just kind of goes you down a bit of a path. Um, I'm, I'm interested to ask you, you brought up um, Edward de Bono before. Um, why him specifically? Um, he was a psychologist that actually um, created tools for business, and um, so, and, and they're actually quite practical. Like the, the famous one um, that's easy to talk about is De Bono's six hats. So you want to make a decision. How do you challenge whether or not you're making the right decision? What are the, some of the tools that you can employ? And um, he uh, came up with this model where, you know, that's where the devil's advocate comes from. That's the black hat. You put the black hat on and then um, challenge, well, what could go wrong? And so then you can plan for the things that might not work out. And then um, he's got other ones like, um, you know, the positivity hat, the creativity hat, the process hat. What's the process that you're following? So that those kind of practices tools can help you ask questions mm. of yourself that might arrive at a different answer to perhaps what where you were thinking you were going. Mate, I, I like it. All right, so before, before you go, uh, what's one, what's the best book that you've ever read that generally changed your perspective on how you see the world? Um, M- Mastery by Robert Greene. Oh, good call. Good yeah, call. that one, not necessarily because it's that best one, but it was one of those times where it, it landed in my lap at the right time and it kind of gave me, a, you know, the kick in the ass that I, that I needed at the time and it very much goes with my kind of growth curious mind. Um, it works quite well for me, um, what he discusses, but I would recommend anybody read it, even just the 
case studies and research in it um, are really strong. Even something cool and exciting like Jimi Hendrix and, and how he became the guitarist that he did and stuff, it, it just prompts you on a journey of learning, I think, if you're, if you're interested in, in how to develop mastery. I think that book is awesome. There you go. All right, well, we'll leave you to the rest of your weekend. Really appreciate you joining. Enjoy the, enjoy the birthday party. Get some cupcakes, blow the candles out, do your thing, and feed them <laughs> up with sugar. I'm sure it will go well. That'll be awesome. Thanks, my friend. Love your work, brother. Talk soon. There was the bro, Logan Wedgwood, the CEO of Advisory Works, and uh, he's one of the biggest strategic brains in New Zealand. Very, very smart man and very deep thinker. Every time I sit with him, he always he thinks he thinks a lot with it, which I definitely appreciate because most of the time I don't really think. I just kind of just go. Um, we are having a Power Move Summit with him, actually, next uh, next next month. We've already had a couple hundred entries on your hundred spots, which is cool. So if you want to jump in on that, uh, go to, I don't know, my socials, do something, whatever. You, you'll figure it out. Um, coming up in the next hour, it's going to be awesome. whole bunch of stuff happening. Uh, we've got phone how much time your money is worth. Oh, how much time, how much money your time is worth. There you go, Jingle Bells. Tall Poppy Profile and a whole bunch more. See you in a second, team. We're going to have some news, sport, weather. That'll let you know what's happening on the latest. And I'll see you in a sec. Rebet Live episode 323. Rebet Live. Great bangers for our number two of Rebet Live episode 323 on Today FM. Hope your Saturday is rocking. Coming up on this hour, just a moment, I want to find out how do we calculate the value of our time and our worth. Trina Pittman from Octopus Admin joins me. Then we've got Tall Poppy Profile, the Wellington-based dental therapist, Laura Nixon, from the toothpaste company Solid. And before we wrap up the show, we're going to be just uh, investing more into our employees with Jason Cherrington from Accordant. Uh, don't forget you can text me through on 3920 and the question for the day is what is the best podcast you're listening to right now? Text it through, we'll tell everyone else about it and then you can um, go learn some stuff too. And number call is 0800 Today FM and in 27 minutes at 1.30pm we're going to be having the one minute pitch which is the first person to call up at 1.30 We'll get one minute, 60 seconds. We'll even have a countdown clock and all sorts for you to be able to pitch your product, your business, or your service. That's it, free advertising. So your marketing plan is free. Just listen to the show, ring at 1.30, first person in, get through um, the um, get through our executive producer, Cam, and you can be on the show. All right, let's get into hour number two. The time now is four plus, four minutes past one. His goal, to destroy the tall poppy syndrome. His platform, Today FM. This is Rebet Live. Call 0800 Today FM. As we kick off, business owners are very busy. We've talked about this before. 97% of Kiwi sport businesses are small businesses with staff under 20. So business owners frequently get caught between running their business and still trying to, I guess, navigate and struggle to try and grow at the same time. So we really stop to think about, hey, how much is my time actually worth? How does this, you know, where do I need to be allocating my my most precious commodity of all, which is time? So Trina Pittam is the executive, um, is an executive virtual assistant and the owner of Octopus Admin. She helps business owners find answers to business administration questions and streamline their workload. Big fan, uh, so they can focus on higher value tasks. Kia ora, Trina. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Thank you for asking, and thanks for the opportunity to to come on the show. Well, I have to ask. I'd be an asshole if you were having a horrible day, and I just ask you to start talking about the value of your time, because then the answer would be, I don't want to be doing this. So I'm, I'm, I have to ask. <laughs> so maybe let's let's start with this. Uh, how's your Saturday going? Where are you, and what's going on? 
Oh, um, Saturday is going very, very well. I am currently at my mum's, actually, and uh, just having a, a, a leisurely weekend. <laughs> there you go. Nice. You got some a heavy pen and wire on the cards later. Kick your feet up, watch some egg ball. Yeah, something like that, or, you know, maybe go home and do, do my housework, probably. Oh, yeah. Classic house admin. There we go. So this, admin, I, there we go, yeah. this idea around time, I, as I get older, I constantly think about time a little bit. And I think the older I get to, I think about time differently. And I've got two young daughters now, three and four. And I, I definitely think about time differently with what we choose to allocate and be away from them and the cost of what they cost. So maybe in a simple question, what is time worth? I know, big question. It's like, you know, yeah. is, there a, is there a God? But Yeah, no, that is a big question. And I think the answer to that question is it really depends on, on each individual and what value they place on their own time, to be, to be honest. So, you know, running a business, I think um, business owners do have a tendency to fall into the trap of thinking that, you know, in order to save money, they'll just do everything that they you know, that, that's on their plate themselves, whereas that's often not the best use of their time, you know. It's it's trying to figure out what is my time actually worth and then figuring out the high-yield activities in their business that actually helps them to generate the income. So, um, so yeah, essentially, don't know that, if that really answers the question, but I think it, it really depends on the individual. Well, I think the, the, the one where it goes down is figuring it or, or even stopping to ask that question because the majority of small business owners yeah. and startups and entrepreneurs, they do not ask that question because they're too busy being busy doing stuff to try and survive. So they do not think about that thing. And probably no. to, to, your, to your point there, they don't realize that, hey, you know, if, if I'm really great at selling, but I'm here, you know, I know, replying to emails or doing proposals or whatever it may be, you know, <laughs> if they're doing $500 an hour type work, but they're choosing to do maybe a 20 or $30 an hour thing it's probably not the right allocation but yeah. it's right no. it's not the right task right so how do you Correct. how do you i'm imagining most entrepreneurs or startups and small businesses think that they can or whatever so what type of process do you take them through when they when someone needs to think about what could be outsourced what should or shouldn't they be doing and even the bigger question of where should they allocate their time like how do you navigate navigate that with most people you work with yeah, good, another very awesome question. So the process that we would sort of go through would be to, you know, we have a chat to, to our clients about, you know, where where are they finding their time actually is being spent um, in their business most of all, you know. What are, the, what are the tasks that they feel like they could get off their plate that would make the biggest difference to their business uh, in terms of freeing them up to do the, the higher yield activities. So it's working out where their strengths are as well. So figuring out, you know, if you if you have a, a coach, for example, as a client, their strength really is going to be in coaching. Yeah, so they want to be spending that time doing the thing that they love and, and, and working on the, the things that they're, they're best at, not sitting in the office answering emails and phone calls. So, yeah, it's really going through that step-by-step -step process and figuring out with our clients, you know, what are you good at? What do you struggle with and what would make the biggest difference in your business today if you were to outsource it? Yeah, so I was in a meeting the other day and we were t uh, with a buddy of mine. He's got a fingers in a whole bunch of pies and he was talking about his time and he, was, uh, and he wasn't put, allocating stuff to a certain uh, project. And I was like, oh, so, you know, what's the, what's the deal there? And he just kind of stopped for a second and goes, yeah, it's just not really actually worth my time. <laughs> <The> time. <laughs> like, yeah. it's, it's not yeah. worth my time. And it's like, 
Huh, but it's that thing of, you know, what how it's not even what is your time worth? It's going what of what is the value of your time yes. worth? Like what is the actual That's the right. true the true value of it? And so there's two different questions, right? Like there's plenty of people who can be, Oh man, I've just been so busy, don't you? A billion things, oh, I've been so busy. It's like but how many things moved the needle? How many things actually changed the game? How many things gave, you know, that are straight, you know, income generating activity to an IGA or whatever it is, you know, and, and it's probably to that point again though, Trina, where they maybe aren't even asking themselves the right question to start with. So they stay busy being That's busy, right. not actually realizing they're potentially allocating their time and energy into the, the, the worst thing. So I was just and actually going to ask, maybe selfishly, Trina, when you work with these businesses to start with, do you work back and reverse engineer their current calendar with where they are kind of existing? Could you like kind of color code things out? How do you think of it visually? Are you just, you know, work through and find out where they're kind of doing it? Or do you actually get like kind of real granular to, to, to time it all up? Yeah, I think that the latter, try and get as granular as we possibly can. Um, you know, looking at their diary, their, their calendar, how are they? How are they actually working? Because that's a big part of it as well, mm. right? Like, are they are they efficient? Are they organised? Can Is there changes that we can make in that regard that's going to free them up to spend their time on other things as well? So really trying to get down into the nitty-gritty of what it is that they're doing in their business to help them find some, some time, some hours back. Yeah. And the other thing too, which has been really definitely interesting is the word to, to, to say is the lack of uptake in Kiwi businesses truly leveraging technology to make them more efficient and effective in their business by giving their time back by using software and using technology. And I don't know yeah. what it is, but so many people that I've, I've talked with and engaged with, I don't know if it's a fear of technology. I don't know if it's a trust thing of others. I'm not sure. There's feels like there's a... Um, there's a, and it could be, you know, overgeneralizing, but from what I've seen, there, there feels to be like a, a technical gap of, and then there's a trust gap with people to do things that they could maybe not do, and then there's yes. t- maybe technical yeah. thing. Is that a fair statement? It, it absolutely is, and I think we run into this uh, frequently, and it's not even, I don't think it's so much a reluctance, but it's a lack of awareness, possibly, mm. that there are actually apps and tools and things out there that you can leverage um, to, you know, to bring more efficiencies into your business to help you find, you know, some extra time. Um, so, and I find that once business owners actually have the awareness and the understanding that there are things out there to, to, to help, um, you know, it, it's getting them to then start using them and seeing how they can be utilised and leveraged, as you say, in their business. Yeah. So on that, right, trust is this, this big thing. When It is. You know that thing they say. You know, if you want to go, um, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together, or something. One, one of those smart things, which I'm definitely not smart enough to have come up with. But I understand the point around this this thing of trust, right? So, how do you help scared or naive or whatever type of founders that either don't trust the tech or the people, or whatever? How do you work them through to build more trust to actually go farther? Um. <laughs> Uh, yeah, that that really is. I think it's just about getting them to take that leap of faith, yeah. really, um, to, to trust in us that we are the experts and that we wouldn't be suggesting they utilise something if we didn't know uh, that, you know, it could make a difference and really help them in their business. So, yeah, sometimes it can be a bit of a, a journey for some people to kind of let go of the reins. Um, but, you know, I think once they do... Uh, the the difference that it can make to them and their business is um, yeah it's 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 a big it makes a big impact. 
I mean, m- most entrepreneurs or startup small business owners, you know, they always feel there's not enough hours in the day and trying to hustle away to try and get everything they do yeah. they want to do. So, as a business owner, like, how do you try and, I guess, achieve those goals and these targets, but without trying to lose your mind? Is it literally just, you know, stepping back and saying, "Hey, what can I delegate? What can I delete? What can I defer? Who can I partner with? How can I trust and actually do one plus one equals is three?" Right? Like, it, it, I think it, it comes to that moment of, do you do you trust it to go further together? Right? Yeah, exactly. And I think it is about also having those moments in your business where you can take stock of where you're at as well. You know, you've got to stop and pause and, and reevaluate and, and test and measure and, and all of that sort of um, to thing as well to, to then keep progressing. You know, if you're not sort of stopping and taking stock and looking at where you're at, then you can't really move forward, I don't think. Mm. Um, how much time do you usually when you get fully integrated within a, within a business and they you know outsource and they partner and they integrate technology for efficiencies and they part, they have trust for a team like how much time and money are you usually sort of saving people or how, how, what's the the end outcome that most are kind of are finding you know the answer to that question is that every business is different and um you know, we, we try and save our clients as much time as we possibly can, but, you know, as each business is unique, that the answer to that is it's going to depend. It's going to depend on them. It's going to depend on whether, what stage their business is at, um, you know, and where they want to go uh, forward. So there's no there's no single answer, but, yeah, <laughs> if, that, you definitely, if that makes any sense. No, no, totally. I mean, for some, they might be super email heavy. Some might like tests and calls, and that comes into how, how they work. Um, really appreciate you joining um, join us on the show, Trina, and best of luck for the rest rest of your weekend. Hope you smash it away, and, and um, cheers, for, cheers for locking in. Yeah, thank you so much for having me on the show. I've really enjoyed it. <laughs> no, mega, awesome. Enjoy the weekend, Trina. Mega. You All right, too. Tri- Bye-bye. There was Trina uh, Pittam, the owner of Octopus Admin. Um, one of the things, so... <sighs> There's something in there, right? And my brain was just trying to go to when you're a small business Kiwi owner and you're thinking about these things, is trying to reverse engineer your time. And I got asked that, it brings me down to this thing called a, I have a, I have a thing. It's just maybe it's my it's my own little thing that I have, and it might be stupid, but it's, it's what I have. It's called a life regretted percentage. So in my early 30s, I'm 37 now, but early 30s, um, I got asked at a conference, hey, Rebecca, what's your biggest regret so far in business? And then I said, oh, I've obviously stuffed up a a whole bunch, but I think I could have got to where I was at 30 by the time I was 27, but I had too much ego and arrogance in my early 20s thinking I could do absolutely everything myself because you're the young alpha male just trying to dominate, just do everything, just take on the world, stuff everyone up. And what I realized is that I actually lost three years when I was 30 years old because I could have got there at 27, but I'd I'd lost that time. So I thought about it in terms of this thing called this life regretted percentage where I said, okay, 30 years old, lost three years. I currently at 30 years old have a life regretted percentage of 10%. But I would rather have a life regretted percentage of 10% at 30 years old, having lost three years due to my early 20s arrogance and ego and bullshit, than be 50 or 60, having done something I've absolutely hated for half my life, 25, 30 years, and then you've got a life regretted percentage of like 50% and you're 50 or 60 years old, be like, oh, geez, because it's way better to try and, you know, make the comeback from losing 10% at 30 than it would be losing 50% at at 50 or 60. So So for me... When I think about my time now, I go, when opportunities come up, it's a simple thing. I ask myself, will this increase or decrease my life regretted percentage? If I do this 100 times for 100 hours or 100 weeks or 100 days, whatever it is, at the end of that 100, will I be stoked, pumped, and be like, mean? Or will I be like, oh, drain, 
And as long as it's, oh, no, drone, and it's the cool three things which I'm into, whether it's, you know, um, I've got this little big three thing which you can talk about another time. But basically, if, if it decreases my life regretage percentage, I usually do it. If it increases it, then I don't do it. It's kind of simple as that. All right. That's that's it. Good little banter. How much is your time worth? Uh, and don't forget, in 13 minutes, the first person to call up at 1.30 will get in for the one-minute pitch. You get 60 seconds all to yourself to pitch your product and your service to the entire country. One tip of advice for the first person that calls through. Make sure you have a website that you plug really quickly because at the end of the 60 seconds, you literally will get cut off. And if you're halfway through, it doesn't matter because Cam's a savage and he'll just gas you. So you need to get into that. Uh, all right, team. See you after the ads. It, Time now is 18 minutes past one. Mentor. Sherpa. Counselor. Nah, just a clever guy doing cool shit. It's Rebecca Live. On Today FM. All I do is win, 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 no matter what. Got money on my mind, I can never get enough. And every time I step up in the building, everybody's hands go up. Everybody's hands go up because I like everyone to see everyone win. I like Huey's winning. I like the tall poppy to be destroyed. And I like supporting other Kiwis doing great things. So welcome back to Rebecca Live, episode 323, and it's tall poppy profile time. Uh, what that means, we, we highlight, you know, Kiwi doing good stuff. And today I'm joined by Wellington-based dental therapist, Laura Nixon. She's the brains behind Solid Oral Care, now known as Solid. Could re- rebrand their team. Uh, a toothpaste company. She thinks tablets and toothpaste in a jar will help to clean up the dental space from sending unnecessary waste to the landfill. Oh, this is going to be an interesting banter. So kia ora, Laura. Welcome to the show. Kia ora, Robert. How are you? Oh, going great, actually. I'm, I actually, no, I'm going great now that Cupcake, my cat, is not dead, but I had a pretty tough day. I've been six hours at the vet and now we've survived and got through. So, you know, I've had an oh, apple juice, no. I'm, I'm ready to rumble. But how are you, Laurie? Oh, How's Wellington going? What's bubbling away? Uh, yep, well, I'm just at home with the whanau. We're all a bit sick, but getting over it. So, yeah, nice to, nice to see the sun coming out. Yeah. Well, it's because you're in Wellington. Everyone gets sick in Wellington. It's just it's Wellington, you know. Um, so, hey, tell me about Solid. I'm, I'm, I'm genuinely intrigued. I read this. The crew were talking about it. I'm like, huh, okay. So let's talk the, the genesis. What's your what's your history been in and how this sort of come about? Yeah, well, um, my background, um, as you mentioned, is as a dental therapist, which you might know as a dental school dental nurse um, and also as a dental hygienist. Um, so while I was working in this industry, I just started to get, like, just amazed by the amount of plastic waste um, that we were using in the clinics and then also that we were recommending for people to use at home. So, you know, every every sort of toothpaste you get pretty much comes in a plastic tube and these can't be recycled or they are really difficult to recycle. So, yeah, I um, got into studying toothpaste formulating, strangely, as you do, and, yeah, eventually ended up studying solid and we make toothpaste tablets which is basically toothpaste without the water in an easy to use tablet form uh, toothpaste powder which is just what it sounds like toothpaste again without the water and we also do toothpaste in a glass jar which gets rid of that tube as well okay i got a couple of questions <laughs> we'll start with the mm-hmm. first one how do you figure out manufacturing of your own toothpaste company and how do you actually test and work this thing out like just talk me through the 101 you just you, you don't just ring up Colgate and say hey can I become a competitor how, how do you actually do it what happens <laughs> um so yeah I'll, I have to go a bit back um yeah so no, let's, start let's, go, let's go deep <laughs> a lot of research um and I just had um my son at the time so yeah just a lot of research at the at the time um a lot of quiet time doing that um 
yeah, and then got into the sort of more sort of developing, once I sort of got some formulating formulations sort of down, um, working out how I was going to make them, which is still kind of one of our like trade secrets. Um, and then, yeah, just a lot of uh, trial and error, you know, lots of messed up ones, lots of like crumbling tablets. Um, yeah, until I'm a bit of a perfectionist, got to the point where I'm like, yes, this is this is it. And um, pretty much the same sort of went for, for all of our products. But yeah, the tablets were definitely tricky to nail. <laughs> Not the easiest thing to start with. Yeah. Now, technically, has this been done globally anywhere before? Because I've never heard of anyone having a toothpaste tablet. So I you, you, what you put on just like a vitamin and then you just brush your teeth and it just kind of expands and does its thing and it interacts with the saliva or technically how does it work? Yeah, so it's, um, yeah, so you, you chew it and um, it interacts with the saliva and that it pulls sort of moisture into it and basically becomes paste and then you can just brush as normal. That is And genius. there are a few more out there, but um, yeah, they're sort of a bit different in that they're more like your traditional sort of like tablets you know, like say Panadol tablets thing through, they're a bit gritty and crunchy, whereas ours are a bit more of that like instant transform into paste. Right? Got it. Now, my my IP hat jumps on for a second. Is there anything proprietary about this that has stopped the big dogs coming to your door and saying, knock, 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 uh, can I have a sample and then try and snake it, snake it for you? Like, have you got some stuff locking this in? Like, how, where's the value in here? Um, so I think the, the, the yeah, um, I haven't had had that happening. Um, I think that, yeah, it's just something that it's really you can't really sort of um, copyright formulations or anything. So yeah, it's just something that we um, yeah we we keep under wraps and um, yeah. So this so the the secret sauce is the formula of the way you've done it for the the tablets and obviously you've done it with the toothpaste in a in a, a bottle as well. And I, I haven't seen that one e- either, right? And I, I was looking on your um on your your website and you were talking about Laura here is these sixteen million plastic toothpaste tubes are sent to the landfills every year in Aotearoa. That's massive. Yeah, yeah, it is. And it's 1.5 billion globally. So it's a Jeez. lot of, yeah, a lot of waste. That's great. Okay. So, so yeah, how, you, how um, you, the, you go. So the way that we're, yes, yeah, so, um, trying to combat that is so we put all our products in glass and which is not, you know, immediately solving the problem by putting toothpaste in glass, but we have a return and refill scheme so all of our stockists where you buy our toothpaste um, they can choose to be a place where you can send your jars back to them or you can send them to us directly or you can drop them at us directly and we sterilize and reuse them and give you a free toothpaste for every uh, 12 year return for your for your trouble so to be fair too, one of the things I absolutely, I'm sure everyone is, absolutely hate around toothpaste is the roll up at the end and it feels like you get screwed out of about 10% of the thing and you just like end up being super jippy just trying to get it all out there. But imagine when you've got a big open, uh, you know, plastic little glass thing for it, it's going to be kind of easy. It's a r- really interesting uh, thing. Okay. So let's maybe talk about, you know, how, how are you currently selling this? So if someone's like listening right now and they're really interested to try, what would toothpaste be? as a tablet and not necessarily using any water or any of the other stuff, where could they go to? What could they do? Uh, so we have a website, so that's um, our most popular place to buy it. So you can just Google solid toothpaste or go to solidoralcare.co.nz uh, and that's where you'll find our full range. Um, and you can also check out our stockists from the website as well. It's absolutely awesome. What a, what a great thing. Well, wish you well on your journey. I hope you absolutely smash it and um, best of luck for the future. Thank you so much.
Mega. All right, that's Laura Nixon, uh, Wellington-based dental therapist and now co-founder, CEO, director, uh, everything, because as you're in a startup, you have to do everything yourself, uh, with toothpaste tablets and toothpaste instead of um, the little, you know, crappy little roll-up things, actually doing out of glass. Super, super cool. Um, any feedback, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, the question for today is, what is your favourite podcast? Text her on 3920. Uh, we had the real pod come through from the spin-off. There's a whole bunch of others. Yeah, not to self-plug ourselves, but this is one called Rebet Live, which you can check out. It's, it's pretty good. It's pretty some cool people listening to that. Um, and hey, Tame, oh, team, i got to talk to you about this. In two minutes' time, the first person to call uh, during the ad, actually, we'll just do it straight in the ad break. The first, in about 30 seconds, the first person to ring through, you will get the chance for the one-minute pitch, which is you will get 30 one minute. Oh, jeez, I even forgot their own rules for the one-minute pitch. One-minute pitch is you get one minute to pitch your product, your service. So if you run a daycare or you've got a product or you have any type of service, consultancy, brand, business, whatever it is, you'll get one minute all to yourself. We'll have a time-down clock and whatever. So as soon as we hit the air break, first person to ring through, you'll get in the one-minute pitch, and I'll be seeing you after the break. This is your time to shine, team. If you've been, you know, if you've been a bit jippy on that, that marketing money and you're trying to figure out how to get some free airtime, well, ladies and gentlemen, here you go. Three, two, one, ring in and go, team. See you after the break. Rebet Live. Live from Silicon Valley. The hub of the tech universe. With tips on unleashing your entrepreneurial potential. On Today FM. This is Rebet Live, episode 323 on Today FM. You can find your local frequency at todayfm.co.nz. Take us with us on the go. Download the free Rover app from your smartphone's app store. Uh, question of the day is, what is the best podcast you're listening to? Text me through on 3920. Uh, each week we we're very fortunate enough to be able to catch up with Mr. Paul Conway. He is the Chief Economist of the Reserve Bank of Aotearoa, New Zealand. Very smart man indeed. And each week we catch up to figure out, hey, What's going on with the money stuff? And this week, there's been a whole bunch going on with the money stuff. So, how are you, Paul? How are you, Paul? Hey, kia ora, Rebette. I'm, um, I'm pretty good, actually, a bit tired. I've had a full-on week. Uh, we got the uh, August monetary policy statement out, which is, uh, which is always a load off. Uh, so that's where the bank, we sort of run the ruler seriously over the economy to see how things are going. And we ended up putting up uh, interest rates, the official cash rate, uh, 50 basis points. Uh, so half a percent in our eternal quest to get inflation down. The, eter- the eternal quest, I know the balance, the juggling that we've talked about for a, a while now, you've you obviously gone up a little bit before and now half a percent. So basically the average Kiwi is going to go, all right, Paul, well, why why the hell you do that? So why the hell you do that? <laughs> yeah, well, it's a good question. You know, the price of everything else is going up. So why is the Reserve Bank putting interest rates up? I think it's totally fair enough that uh, Kiwis ask that question and that we sort of front up and, and answer it. Uh, and the answer is, you know, we're still seeing strong demand in our economy. So the labour market is still tight as, you know, really strong, strong employment, super low unemployment, uh, household uh, balance sheets are still looking in pretty good shape in aggregate. So savings uh, are still pretty good coming out of the pandemic. There's a bit of government support there as well. Commodity prices are still high. Uh, you know, and the tourism industry is starting to grow back. So we're actually going pretty well. Um, but we are starting to see some sort of early signs of softening. So some, you know, uh, signs that people aren't spending as much as they 
as they otherwise would have been. So it's sort of buy now, pay later is taken a pounding. Survey measures are, are looking a bit a bit scratchy. So yeah, we're starting to see the early signs of, of that slowdown that we need to get inflation back in the box. Now, when it starts to obviously soften, if it's kind of tracking that way anyway, why, why would you then still put the interest rate up by yeah. 50 basis points? Yeah, well, that's a good. I mean, it's it's tracking that way because we're putting interest rates up. So you got, got it. it. You know, it's kind of a big joined up system, <laughs> the economy. And, and the other side of it is that we've still got, uh, you know, on the supply side of the economy, we've still got bottlenecks. Uh, supply side still a bit uh, gummed up. We're really short of workers. Uh, lots of people have been off uh, with COVID and sort of seasonal flu. We're sort of estimating that about 2% uh, of the workforce are off at any one time. So that's putting a lot of pressure uh, on the labour market. You know, we can print money uh, here at the central bank, but we can't print workers. Uh, so we've got strong demand, weak supply, that equals uh, inflation. And, you know, we're working to sort of pull that back. So sort of think of it as investing uh, in a low inflation uh, future. Saying that thing there, Paul, like the 2% doesn't sound like a big number, but when you extrapolate that out of a whole country, that's a lot of people that can't go that's into... It's it's pretty massive, right? So 2%, you know, these small numbers definitely add up. So that's, obviously that's happening here locally, but then looking at the world, there's obviously been a whole bunch that's been happening. So how is it now looking internationally? Yeah, internationally, it's it's that's pretty sketchy out there, I reckon. So obviously Ukraine rumbles on. We've still got uh, COVID in China or you know lockdowns to avoid COVID in China across some of their cities. Uh, the Chinese housing market is looking pretty scratchy. Uh, there's sort of signs of a budding uh, energy crisis uh, getting going in, in Europe. I think, you know, here in the UK, uh, energy prices for an average home are going to be up 300%, so triple uh, this coming winter than what they have been. So that's, you know, that's that's pretty pretty crazy. So things are pretty sketchy out there. Uh, and that global economy, you know, it's not going to sort of come riding to our rescue. But, you know, having having said that, Rebecca, there's, there's no place I'd rather be than Aotearoa at the moment, despite our inflation problem. Well, you start to hear that as well, and we're tracking in the right direction. So obviously, I understand you've got to kind of make these like little sort of measures, but it's clear, you know, we're obviously not there yet. You talk about the soft landing, trying to ease it down. Like how long of a path is this? You're, we're obviously not there yet. So how does this play out? Yeah. Well, yeah, inflation is still uh, too high. Um, you know, as I said, we are we, we expect that softening in demand and spending uh, in consumption, we expect that to sort of continue uh, over the next year or so. Like next year is looking pretty weak in terms of uh, people out there sort of sort of shopping. Um, so you know, which is what we need to sort of bring balance to cool the place down. Um, so you know, and we're on track to achieve that. Um, so we think inflation is going to fall. Uh, it was seven point three percent in the June quarter. Uh, we think it's going to. We think that's the peak. Uh, touch wood. Um, we think it's going to be you know five something next year, and then back to sort of three percent uh, by twenty twenty four. Um, but we still you know we need higher interest rates to make that come true. Hence the you know the fifty basis point uh, hike uh, in the OCR on Wednesday. Well, it's that thing of, you know, less is more. And sometimes when it's going to be coming down that way, when it sort of eases off, it's going to be better better for everyone. But, you know, 7.3, if you think it's the top there, down to 5, then to 3, it's a pretty ideal, safe path out of this thing over the next sort of two years. So, but you know, the average Kiwi that's listening to this now, they've got their mortgages, they've got their house, they've got their work. Do you think that the average Kiwi's mortgage is going to potentially go up? Mm. 
Yeah, um, like I think, like you know, first your first point there. I think, you know, if we could have seen this economic outcome uh, back in March 2020, we would have, when the pandemic was breaking. Well, I'm pretty sure we would have gone, oh yeah, we'll, we'll take that. Uh, you know, especially compared to what's going down globally. Uh, in terms of people's mortgages, um, you know, we set the OCR, which sort of percolates through the rest of the financial system. Uh, but the nice thing about it is that we will. You know, financial markets were expecting the Reserve Bank to hike the OCR. So to some extent, it was already priced in. So we've sort of been predicting this. We've been communicating it. Um, so it's no surprise. And financial markets have been looking forward and going, OK, that's going to happen then. So let's uh, let's do that now. So we probably won't see such a, a big impact on sort of uh, fixed term mortgages. Uh, there might be a bit of upside uh, on, on the floating mortgage, which is sort of more reflects um, these sort of changes instantaneously. But on the longer term mortgage, it's sort of, you know, it's already been uh, locked in. And I should say, you know, Rebecca, it's also you know, higher interest rates. It's good, good for savers, uh, people who have got money in the bank. And actually, that's the whole idea uh, of a hike in interest rates. The idea is to encourage people to spend less uh, and to save more, and that's how we get inflation back in its box. It is always interesting talking to you each week. We keep we keep learning here, and it's almost like you have this kind of weekly pulse where you start to see these bigger moving parts. And when you, you know, it's even kind of cooler whenever I look at the news, I start to then think, oh, I wonder how this is going to affect the OCR. Oh, I wonder what's going to happen to you know. And it's this ever moving liquid maneuverable thing that's just so massive which is the economy so no wonder you've had a big week mate you got all these things out well rest up for the rest of your weekend kick kick your feet up and enjoy and um and always have awesome having you on the show and um thanks yeah. for the time man my man likewise likewise cheers Rebecca. always good talking catch you next week Champ. perfect bro that was easy i'll tell Brynny's fired how good such a weapon such a smart man uh don't forget you can text me through on 3920. Question of the day is, what is the best podcast you can text through now? And I'll let everyone know. Uh, number call is 0800 Today FM. Almost coming up towards the end of the show, but before that, we got a little ad break. And then we're going to be coming back through with another little interview, business in a minute, and more. Time now is 19 minutes to two. Live from San Francisco. And streaming now on Facebook Live. It's Rebet Live with how to turn your passion into profit. On Today FM. Sixteen minutes away from two o'clock. Rebecca Live episode three hundred and twenty-four. I've got it wrong, team. I had three twenty-three all day, but I've just realised it's three twenty-four. So we've done another one. Welcome back to Rebecca Live. Uh, you can find us more on online todayfm.co.nz to find out all about where else you can check it out, including the socials, including the app store, and all that. Uh, but right now, we've talked. We've, we've talked earlier this afternoon about calculating the value of our time, but. What about investing more into the employees? We talk about its employees market. You know, there's lots of things happening with the uh, hybrid workspaces. So with the job market so tight, talent not as you know abundant as it was, uh, employers are having to look beyond the tried and tested hiring tactics to consider new and fresh ways to retain their people. Very cool. Uh, Jason Cherrington is the Chief Executive of Accordant, New Zealand's largest recruitment and resourcing group. So Jason, kia ora, my friend. How are you and welcome to the show. Kia ora. I'm very well. How are you? I'm crazy, mate. How's your Saturday bubbling away? You, you're watching some Formula One. What are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> well, remember, no Formula One this weekend, so hiatus for a couple of weeks. 
as uh, as the crew will take a break. So, um, so now this weekend is that fatal decision of let's move some stuff around, you know, shift the office around a little bit. The stuff that takes about an hour. I think we're yeah. on hour number seven currently, and chaos. So, um, so that's my day so far. There you go. So it's not even like life admin. You bet you back into back into work admin. But like the radical optimist thinking it's going to be one when it's actually eight. It's very much sounds like um, you know someone in the entrepreneurial business game. So. Maybe let's start with this. We've had a few interesting chats today um, talking with, you know, about employees and time and space and hybrid models and all, all the rest of it. So at a macro, maybe give me your 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 top line on how you really think the game's changed for employers' employees over the last three years. Yeah, sure. So, so I think if you go back, oh, probably maybe 100 years, value proposition, creating value in a business and, and how you put that out to your clients and customers has been a, a massive focus. And I think, you know, globally we've done it extremely well. But when you take a view of actually what's the value proposition for employees, maybe not so much. And I think the opportunity that, that we've seen come to bear over the last well, probably two years now, maybe three, um, has been spending time thinking about what actually is the value proposition for an employee. So if all bets are off, if if the financial offering is the same, then what else is going to make you move or, or make you stay? And I think that focus through things like engagement surveys, being more open to asking employees what they actually think and not being scared of the results, um, which I think is still, still a bit of a challenge in, in some quarters, has just meant that, that you can now start to craft solutions and, a, and an environment that is far more tailored than just, hey, we need to offer X amount of money to save somebody or to attract them uh, with no differential at all. And I think that's where there's been a big shift. Mm. Now, do you think it's been extrapolated even more in terms of the employees having a bunch more power because of our the, the visa constraints with um, you know overseas people being able to come in and actually work here and stuff? Like, do you think the what's happening at the border has is basically changing culture internally within different organisations? Yeah, I think, I mean, the, the, you know, many businesses have, have been thinking about this for some time and some businesses do it very, very well. And and so, you know, for, for some, it is, it's nerve-wracking to, to actually start to think you've got to accelerate and you're behind the eight ball, so, you know, you've got to go almost faster than everybody else and catch up that, and have the capability and resource in your business to understand this stuff and then where you go next. So I think that's, that's changed, um, you know, in many ways. But I, I think the key part to all of this is, you know, the voice of, of the employee should always have been important. Now it's just become, you know, the weight, has, I guess, has shifted. And, and who knows, you know, the next two, three, four years, that may shift again. But, you know, my hope is that we never go back to the days of, of you know, employees being the second consideration to clients or profit. Um, you know, it should be number one because it's your biggest asset. It's your biggest tool that you have in your organisation and, and should be respected and, and nurtured and developed accordingly. And I think, if nothing else, the environment that you describe has, has really put a focus on that now. And I think it's a good thing. I love that, you know, when so many, before COVID, I mean, every single CEO from every single business pretty much is like, the people are most important now, the people, the people, tangata, tangata, and, and then finally then through COVID, you actually realise, oh, a lot of them actually potentially weren't, and now it really is actually about the people because they want to try and do it. I'm wondering, I was, you know, I figured you have a pretty good insight on this, Jace, is, you know, here in the States, they've, some businesses have actually used the hybrid model or even fully virtual um, opportunities for staff as a way to not only retain talent but to entice 
better talent from competitors who have been a lot tougher on like you have to come back to the office and whatever have you seen much of that happen in New Zealand as well like how have the the navigation between yeah. tr- with different ways they're trying to get talent like is there some insights that you've seen that that might be similar to the states or is it are we on our own little buzz no, I think I think there is there's absolutely lessons that are um, that are learned and, and some commonality globally now. So, you know what you described so far as, as COVID as an example. You know how did you feel when COVID came along? Did your employer look after you? You know, mm-hmm. did you get rats tests delivered to your door to test for you and your families? You know, did, you know, there's a lot of businesses that went really quick and fast. We were one of them in that regard because it was just a demonstration of keeping you know our employees safe, not just about managing abs- absenteeism. So. You know, we saw that, you know, for quite a few businesses, I think, across the globe. But, um, you know, coming back to, to the point around looking after you, your employees and flexibility, you know, flexibility isn't you've got to be in the office on a Tuesday and a Thursday. I mean, that's not, that's not flexibility. That's rigid in a slightly different way. So real flexibility, I think, comes from understanding, you know, what's the culture that you're trying to drive? What flame are you going to light in a business that's going to attract people to come in to the office? So it's not just about putting the rules in. But it's about enticing and encouraging people because there's still a place to play for, for people to be together. We know that. And in some organisations, the social connection is, is, you know, is phenomenally important. So, mm. But, of course, you know, putting flexibility in and, uh, uh, and enabling people to be able to come into the office in an environment that they really enjoy you know, is not one size fits all. And we know in some organisations, some people can't work from home. I don't think it's home working. I think it's flexible working, and and that means you know doing your role wherever you may be, having the tools, you know, tech as an enabler to to make sure these things happen smoothly, so you can actually do your job. But recognising that not every job, you know, will, will be able to work from home, you know. So I think it's um, it's putting intelligent thoughts around it. But it comes back to my points around what's your value proposition for an employee? Have you done an engagement survey to ask them, and then how are you executing off the back of that? you know, authentically, and I think those are the key things. So, Jace, you've obviously seen, you know, thousands of people go through the, the this whole sort of world. How, what are some of the best ways you've seen employers really try and retain their best staff post the pandemic era? Like, what are some of the ways that they're really crushing it to try and keep the ones, you know, actually show genuine care for the, those in the organisation? Yeah, so, so your talent pools are, are, are an interesting one. Once again, you know, the, the idea of a talent pool has been around for a long time, but, but how you work with that talent pool and, and use that talent pool for, for the benefit of both developing the employee and helping the employer, I think, once again, is, is really critical now. So talent pools are becoming more and more um, prevalent and, and, and probably being used in a different way. So you know, trying to solve the problem as a CE you know, on my own you know, is, is not a good thing for a whole host of reasons. But getting a group of talent together, not just the managers, not just the you know the senior leaders, but but you know the young bucks, everybody coming through the business, getting them in a room and going, hey, what do you feel about this? What do you think you know would be good based on your role, based on what you do on a day to day, based on what your where your values are? People's values have changed, you know, since COVID, um, in some regards. So getting that businesses that can really understand that, you know, are the ones that are you know doing well through this. Mm. Okay, and so looking out into the future, when you're seeing how it's played in the last three years, I love the idea of the you know it feels like there's more accountability and transparency with what businesses are having to offer and really front foot. When you are talking, you said it a couple of times now, Jason, around actually asking them, it feels mm. that a majority of business owners potentially have never actually asked their employees what they actually want. Is that a fair statement? <laughs> 
Uh, it's hard, right, because, you know, you ask your, your, your team what you want. Everybody's different. You know, that's great. You can't paint the wall green, blue, black, pink, yellow, orange. Um, you know, unfortunately, well, you could, but, you, but I don't think you could do it in every single building and on every single wall. So, you know, being authentic with it and going, look, you know, the feedback doesn't mean that we're going to change everything because actually if we did that, well, that means everybody's the same and they're not. So what are the, what are the important things out of that, I guess, and, and pulling that together I think is really important. Once again, being authentic with it, but not saying we're going to change everything because that's just not reality. Well, it just makes people freak out. Um, from a yeah. cultural standpoint, maybe put you on the spot a bit, but stuff it, I'll go there. That's right. Who is the best business that you've seen that's been able to scale culture in an organisation virtually in the last three years through COVID? I think um, in, let's bring it home. I mean, I I thought it was amazing that Auckland Airport, as an example, um, you know, had queues of people outside wanting to come into a job fair. Um, That was bigger than I thought it would be. Um, Why? I think because people that have worked within that organisation have given a view of how they were looked after um, and what they felt about, you know, Auckland Airport and and the people there. And that in itself, I think, you know, spread. So I'm not surprised whilst you could say, hey, you know, unemployment being as it is, it's amazing that many people rocked up to a job fair. But I think mm. that's probably a reflection of, of what people think about that um, that organisation. Air New Zealand are mentioned consistently. Why? Oh, crikey, I mean, they've gone through, you know, at a macro level, some of the hardest things you could, you know, ever go through through, through COVID. But once again, the way in which they managed that, the way in which they looked after their people, and when they couldn't, and, and not necessarily look after them, but financially, they kind of did the right thing as well. So people remember that, which is why, once again, as, you know, flights increase and travel increases, people will want to go back and work at Air New Zealand. People don't forget how they were treated through this. Um, there's quite a few organisations in New Zealand that have done that well. You said that word twice, feel, you know, how do they feel about the company? And they don't, you know, people don't forget mm. the way, they'll forget what they say, what you wore this, but they don't, people won't forget how you made them feel. You know, Cam Wallace, who was the Chief Revenue Officer of Air New Zealand, uh, when that will happen, and we joked about when we, <laughs> I had him on the show, uh, he said, yeah, it's not every day you go from five billion to zero. <laughs> it's yeah. like, and just seeing like, to have not even a com- comedic thing for these certain things that they just don't, you don't, uh, not only a few people kind of saw it coming, but then exactly to your point, um, it's how they made them feel, what they did to, to do it, and kind of props as well to, to Auckland Airport because obviously when people talk and people talk, they these people turn up for a reason like that. They want to feel there's more purpose with it, and especially now when, you know, it's not like it was 20, 30, 40 years ago. Someone stays in the same job for, you know, 40 years. I think they were saying, there. you probably know the numbers better, Jason, they're saying the average person changes careers is like seven times or something in their lifetime now, which is a lot more than it, than it used to be. Do you think that it will be an employee thing forever? Or you think it's going to shift back? How do you think the tension between employer and employee is going to go? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, you know, looking into the crystal ball on that one's a difficult one. I don't think it will ever go back to what it was before, whatever that yeah. was. Generally, I think, you know, and I think the world is getting its head around COVID now. You know, this isn't let's get back to a norm because, you know, it is a new norm. It's not the previous one. So I don't think it'll ever go back to, to, to what it was. And you're right, both in terms of the gig economy, you know, people moving from one role to another um, just means you're going to have to work extremely hard to keep people connected. But, you know, we mentioned about feel. The social purpose is is more important now, I feel, 
for employees than it's ever been before. And, you know, I don't think that's just COVID. I think that's evolved over a period of time. So if you look at job adverts, you know, more and more now, it's talking about what is the purpose of the business. And it can't just be to make money, you know, grow, grow, um, grow revenue. What does it actually mean from an employee perspective? So interestingly, right the way back around to that, you know, employee um, value proposition, what is it that you put on a job advert that says, yeah, here's the money, yeah, here's the job. But this is actually what we're about. This is what we believe. Um, and this is what you will feel when you come and work for the organisation. And those words and, and, and statements made on job ads are far more prevalent now than they were even 18 months ago. Just like that. Well, hey, I really appreciate you joining the show, Jace, and best of luck with the rest of your, um, your office admin. Sounds like it's a gong show and you've got another five hours ahead of you, so good luck with that hour. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, mate. And good to chat to you as always. Take care. Speak oh. to you soon. Awesome. There you go. Jason Sherrington, Chief Executive of Accordant. All right, team. Almost done. Let's go. Mentor. Sherpa. Counselor. Nah, just a clever guy doing cool shit. It's Rebette Live. On Today FM. That brings us to the end of the show, team. Two minutes away from two o'clock. We always finish with the last little thing. And this week, for this week's Mama's Book of Wisdom, I got a book that my mum gave me. It's got a whole bunch of quotes in it. Today's quote is... The higher you fly, or oh, great segue from the New Zealand thing, the thinner the air and the more pressure there is. The higher you fly, the thinner the air and the more pressure there is. Preach! If you're going to do great things, the weight will come with it. Big thanks to all our guests today. Big ups to the exec producer, Cameron Bannister. Absolute weapon on the ones and twos, making things pop, which I really appreciate. All the guests today, thanks so much for joining in. I hope everyone has an awesome weekend. Wherever you're at, be good, be great. This has been episode 324 for Rebet Alive on Today FM. I enjoy doing the show. I enjoy spending my time with you. It um, does not increase my life for a greater percentage. It makes me feel like I'm doing good things, helping others, and that makes me feel great. Now, I'm going to go home and get the cold shoulder for my wife because I almost killed the cat. See you, Dave team. Peace. <laughs>